Welcome to another edition of Full Time Out with Quebec and everybody's uncle. Fresh off a Milwaukee Bucks championship. What up, Unc? What up, what up, Kev? Hey, I'm good, man. You know, it was, a, it was a pretty good game. Those last three games of the series were really, really interesting, really intense. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, sorry to recap because I know we did, you know, the, the last podcast, we, you know, basically gave a scouting report for those two teams and what we thought, you know, both, both teams should do. We felt like, you know, the Phoenix Suns were headed in the right direction, you know, doing everything that to, to maximize the roster offensively and defensively. But, you know, we were mostly critical of the Bucks and felt like there were some tweaks that were needed. And they kind of made those tweaks. Definitely. You know, and what, what, what did you see out there? Were you kind of proud of <laughs> Bud following your blueprint? <laughs> I'm definitely proud, man. Definitely proud. Uh, you know, I think after I think maybe their first win, I was like, oh, look, is it me? Or it seems like Brooke playing a little less. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Especially like down the stretch, like at the end, when yep. you needed to, you know, clamp up and, you know, and, and stuff like that. And uh, I enjoyed seeing it. You know, Yanis, you know, a lot more screen rolling, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and even, you know, sometimes just setting a screen, but like not at the top of the key, but closer to the basket where <laughs> you either got to switch. And if you go under, then he's right in front of the rim. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So he just, you know, he's. I seen him throwing a few hooks and stuff like that, and it was, you know, it was, it was nice to see, you know what I mean. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, I think we we said it multiple times is, you know, Yanis. When you judging his game, he's like, uh, he he. You you got to see him for what he is. And I, I keep going to back in the days when you know I, I used to be like, I'm not a big fan of uh, Kodak Black. You know what I'm saying? And you you kind of <laughs> broke it down to me. You told me. If I listen to it expecting to hear, you know what I'm saying, the same type of lyricism from, like, the Jada Kiss and the guys that I like and stuff like that, then I'm not going to appreciate him. But if I take it for what it is and his storytelling and, you know, the struggle in his voice and whatever it is, then I can appreciate it a lot more. You know what I mean? And ever since you told me that, it stuck with me. And so when I look at a dude like Janis, that's the same way I look at him. You know what I'm saying? If I look at him, like, comparing him to KD, I'm – Gonna be like he's not that good. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But when I look at him from the aspect of yo, like he's a five man, like he's a seven footer. He can handle the ball. He finishes left, finishes right. You know what I'm saying. So if you got him setting screens, and he's rolling, and from rolling he could put the ball on the floor and kind of make a quick decision. Like he's a tough matchup. You know he's, what I'm saying. Like he's yeah. really hard to guard. And so that's what we saw. Yeah, the mobility at his size and with the strength that he has insane it is it was incredible like the last four games like Giannis from game two to game six was that was some of the most dominant basketball I've ever seen anybody (laughs) yes that was it was like he figured out nobody can match me physically they have no sir no human beings fast enough strong enough mobile enough to stay with me exactly and I'm gonna use that to my advantage every time Aiden right. is not fast enough. He's not quick enough on his feet. Nope. And all these other guys are too little. Right. And either you could throw Crowder at him, you could throw Cam Johnson, Cal Bridges, whoever. Those guys had no chance. 
Against no chance Giannis. at all. No chance no at all. And so I feel like that was that was the key for him. And we we're discussing early off the record. Um, I think the Brooklyn series really helped him. It did. Because of the fact, because if I think if the Brooklyn ser- series where Kyrie hadn't been injured, it probably goes five games and he doesn't have to go deep in and find his bread and butter to go toe-to-toe with KD in clutch situations. A hundred percent. And the fact that in game six, game seven, he really had to figure out, okay, what's my best chance to beat that guy. Right. I think that kind of stuck with him and he was like, you know what? I got to do this consistently in order to win. Right. You know, and he took Katie to the block when Blake fouled out. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? He might be more skilled than me. He might be as tall as me, whatever, as quick as me, but he's definitely not as strong as me. 100%. And if I can just punish him put him under the basket low enough, I, I'll get that little baby hook going and right. that'll be my go-to for these next few minutes. And exactly. we'll trade jump hooks with mid-range jumpers, jump hooks with mid-range jumpers. And that'll probably tire him out more than I am because I'm getting my thing done closer to the basket while he has to go bring the ball up and get to the rim and try to make a pull-up over a tough defender. Right. And I think that flips switched for him and that's all she wrote and from there on you saw the consistency in the performance because he clearly had something that he could rely on exactly down low and punish these guys down low that's yeah don't don't sugarcoat it don't complicate anything nobody's as fast as strong as physical as you are you're the most freakish athlete in the league and probably in the last 20 years that the league has seen. Just do exactly. what you do and impose your will with your strength. Exactly. And that's how it's supposed to be. The game is supposed to be played. You know what I mean? I think often, like, big, especially the bigger guys, like, they get caught up into the whole thing about looking better versus being efficient. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Like, and that's what it comes down to. Like, they have to, they have to stop that thing first. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can work on your three-point shot, but if your first thing is, you can dominate physically and nobody has an answer for you, then do just that until they figure it out. And then <laughs> once they figure it out, then you start getting a little deeper in the back. But, and that's one thing I, I really like love about Kyrie, um, like watching him at the Olympics a few years back. He has all the handles in the world. And yeah. when he's getting pressured full court, he just, you know what I'm saying, one move and just straight line. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like he doesn't complicate it. But now you, you want to send two dudes at him. That's when he might hit you with a few combination and trying to spin split, you know what I'm saying, get deeper in that bag. But essentially, he's not going to start spinning just to spin, you know what I'm saying, or dribbling five times between the leg just to do it. Like he, you know what I'm saying, like he'll keep it simple. And that's what you realize with a lot of these, you know what I'm saying, like these pro point guards, they have all the handles in the world. But when you pressure in them, they're like, all right, straight line, boom, get to the point, efficiency first, you know what I'm saying, versus – you know, younger guys where it's like, I got to look good. I got to, you know, try to drop my defender or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm a big man. I got to show that I can shoot the three without even, you know, trying to post up first. Yeah. No, and, and I, I totally agree with that. And I think for Giannis, it's probably a thing where 
in terms of greatness, greatness probably for him meant looking like a LeBron or a KD, you know, hundred percent taking guys from the perimeter. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where, you know, sort of understanding yourself and knowing your game and being at peace with who you truly are. That's what it comes down to. And I think he truly found himself and, you know, was pretty much satisfied with, you know what, I'm going to be the best five men in the league. Of course. And that's going to be who I am. And that's, gonna get me what what I want and where I want yeah. essentially so no all props to him and look he dominated H in that last game he did on both ends you know <laughs> that was man oh man and Aiden played incredibly all throughout the playoffs but I think he, he found he found his you know his Achilles yeah, he found the thing that you know he he just couldn't get through, man. That Giannis was the toughest puzzle to to figure out for him, and he never did it. And yeah, that that's why that's why we call him free. That's why he's a two-time MVP. That's why he's a you know Finals MVP now, Defensive Player of the Year. He has all those accolades because you know he, exactly, and he put himself in in that conversation. He I does. Think, I think that resume now. Look, not a whole lot of people have that after 20 years in their careers. No, sir. He's 26, eight years in. <laughs> this guy, you know, there's something there. There's, <laughs> there's something brewing in Milwaukee, man. There is. There is, man. There is. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for him because, you know what I'm saying, like he, he puts in work, man. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of time people try to discredit him because of his inability to shoot. So it's like, they want to make us seem like, but you've seen his body, like you said, in, from year one to now, it's insane. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And even even the skill set, you know what I'm saying? Like his ability to handle the ball. And I feel like in this one, he, he, he was reading the game better as far as like not forcing it when he was getting double teamed, you know what I'm saying? Finding the guys. Like there is a crazy improvement in his game from year one to year eight. And I feel like often that gets you know what I'm saying, brush under the rugs because we're so stuck on, but he can't shoot, but he can't shoot. But you know what I'm saying, as a seven-footer, there's so much that he has improved on throughout the years that I think, you know, we have to respect him and the, the energy he plays with. You know what I'm saying? Like, he seems like he's always on the go. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, he's never tired. Like, he plays so hard. It's, you have to respect that. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of things that you want You want younger generation to, to learn is just work hard and play hard. You know what I'm saying? And he's doing both of them things and you gotta, you gotta respect that. Yeah. And, and the relentlessness, you know, and we, we sort of talked about the comparison between him and Ben heading into the uh, Atlanta series, you know, where we felt like Giannis wasn't affected by the fact that he was missing free throws. No, sir. Never. You know, he never wavered. He never stopped being aggressive. He never, he never second guessed himself. Right. Based on the fact that he can't shoot or, or whatever. And that's sort of, you know, the mentality that anybody can take from him is just have that confidence that, you know, you have an advantage on people. And if you understand that that's, that's real, then just keep going, keep going and, you know, try to work around your weaknesses. Because a lot of times, you know, when people try to criticize these guys and it's often, oh, well, he can't do this, he can't do that, he can't do this, and he hasn't done this. But 
sometimes you just have to look at what those guys bring to the table. Right. You know, and what Giannis brings to the table is 98% of it is not comparable to what anyone does or maybe a few guys that you can count, you know, with one end. Of course. You know, so I feel like that, that part where sometimes people miss on his greatness because of the fact that they, they try to look at, you know, some of the stuff that, that he doesn't bring to the table. But if you look like at everything that he brings to the table, ever, since like 2017, Giannis has been leading the, the, the Bucks in every single statistical category. Right. Points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals. Right. You know, and that just shows like the physical gifts that also a little bit of skill that it takes to do that because you're not mm -hmm. scoring 25 points solely on the fact that you're taller than everybody else. You got to right. be able to finish. He finishes at an incredibly high level. Right. You no. Know? And it's not only dunks. This guy makes tough layups. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the layups that guys on the Suns couldn't finish. Well, Giannis finishes everything. He's, right. You know, he, he has that touch around the rim. So, I think I think sometimes you have to just look at what does that guy bring to the table and what what he's able to do, you know, in order to make a team better and and that's where his greatness comes from, you know. Right, hundred percent. But um, yeah. So shout out to the Bucks. I mean, we're not gonna put an asterisk. But one thing I was thinking while watching that series is maybe we overrated those performances on the in the bubble. What what do you mean? Because we we often talk about we 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 didn't want to put an asterisk on the, on the bubble. Obviously, we're not going to put that an asterisk. I mean, a team won and they deserve to be champions. Right. But seeing how tense those guys were, and how right. like they looked super anxious, and the effect of the crowd on some of these players and uh, and them realizing the stakes because of the environment they were in. Right. It felt like that wasn't something that I could take away from when watching those bubble games. No, no, definitely not. You know, definitely be not. Because one of the easiest bets and you know, we talked about the the gambling that goes on right uh, on these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> game four and game six, especially yesterday's game. Right. I saw these guys on the warm-up, and the line was – the over-under was 218 for points scored total. And I was like, right. these guys look way too tense. These guys are so stressed out. Nobody's going to score for the first four minutes. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's literally what happened, and that was the easiest bet I've made all year because I was like, it's pretty obvious that the moment seems bigger For a lot of these guys, because right. you know, you look around, eighteen thousand people in the arena, sixty-five thousand people outside. You have all this, these media. Everybody, the 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 microscope is on you. Heavy, heavy, and you understand the stakes that it's win or go home. And I've I never felt, and it was for both teams too. And it's not like it's only the Suns that felt this kind of pressure. It's like the The Bucks are also really tentative to start the game. Only Giannis was just like, "Let me go, I'm, I'm, I'm going," and that's what true greatness is. But mm -hmm. last year in a bubble, 
You never felt those moments. No, no, at all. It felt like a practice. Exactly. So it's like, how do we account for that championship now that we see such a stark difference from playing with a crowd and not playing with a crowd, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, do we value it as much and do we value all those performances as much now that we see that it has such an effect on 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 guys i mean the thing is this is how i feel right when you look at it at the end of the day you you have to you know what i'm saying accept whatever it is because everybody plays on 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 those same terms and conditions you know what yeah. i'm saying like it would have been different if let's say um you know they only played in the bubble that one game but the other games was played in like let's say the lakers arena or whatever you know what i'm saying so it's like It was the terms and the conditions. Everybody played under those same situations, so you got to accept it. And it's the same way, you know what I'm saying, with the season where some people may be like, well, you know, the Bucks would have never been there if you put James Harden and them healthy. You know what I'm saying? It's all part of it. You know what I'm saying? They played all the season. You got injuries and, and whatever. You got to accept what comes because if you do that, then you start discrediting like a whole lot of championships, you know what I'm saying, out there and be like, well, this one doesn't count because if that situation was changed and it would have been a whole different ballgame, you know what I'm saying? And so you can't really do that. I feel like we've got to accept it. You know what I'm saying? Now, obviously if we're speaking about it, you know, obviously the performance were a bit inflated. Well, in exactly. That's, that's what, we, what, it's what fair I, to say, but if let's say player a stuff is inflated, well, you better make sure your joint is inflated too. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how I look at it. But but the thing is, we understand that dealing with pressure is completely different from individual to individual. And and you mentioned it last last summer when we were talking about during the bubble, where it's like, well, certain guys, you know, you know how certain guys that you have on your team are just really good practice players. And when right. it comes to practice, they're just like they seem like the best player on the squad. But when it gets to the game, sort of, you know, the hierarchy is completely different because certain guys just are able to perform under the bright lights much better than other guys. That's a fact. So having said that, we sort of have to consider that when evaluating what the bubble really was, you know? Right. And it's like, yeah, you can sort of see, well, certain guys are much more skilled and have certain abilities, but we shouldn't look too much into that when evaluating them because – If that performance didn't translate to this year, what does that really mean, you know? Yeah. But so, then again, it could also be the element of surprise now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I look at it, for example, uh, Tyler, yeah. right? I feel like the element of surprise kicked in and he kicked everybody's butt. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But then now it's like, all right, we see you now. We're going to play you a little different. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you're not matching up you know what I'm saying, to that situation. So that too could be another aspect where certain guys caught people with an element of surprise and now we know who you are. So it ain't happening, you know what I'm saying, again. But I do agree with you 100% that, you know, some players did step it up in the bubble and it was different. You know what I'm saying? Like that there, there wasn't the whole traveling aspect of going to the other guy's arena. Fans are probably waiting at your hotel talking smack to you. You know what I'm saying? Versus the AAU setting where... You play the game and then you guys go hang out upstairs um, in the game rooms, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and chilling and talking trash to each other. It, it, it almost feel like it's a training camp almost. 
exactly and and that's why it's like yeah it was cool and all but at the end of the day i, I don't know if uh you know if that was real <laughs> if that right. was as real as, as as you know these playoffs no this, like the, even this with, with the injuries like you know injuries are gonna happen any in any situation it's definitely not like you know the pressure was definitely real and those guys felt it you know right you know so yeah um so just a, a little preview for 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 next year you think the milwaukee bucks are going to be favorite for the championship uh absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not so who would you put in uh in that category then And Brooklyn boys, if they're healthy, that's them. Yeah. They're the ones, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, the, to me, that's them. And yeah. obviously, the, the Lakers are looking to make some moves too, so we'll see how that looks like. But, you know what I'm saying, Milwaukee, uh, I don't – like I said, KD by himself took them to seven. You know what I'm saying? And so it's hard for me to believe that if you put in, you know what I'm saying, a healthy James, a healthy – Kyrie, that situation may not change. Now, the only thing I may say is they're going to have that championship swagger. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. they're going to be a lot more confident. But at the same time, you know what I'm saying, it's different when, you know what I'm saying, you go against somebody and you didn't know that they were injured and then you beat them and then they let you know that, man, I was playing on one leg and you're like, damn, that was you on one leg? Then I can't, whatever you're going to do on both feet is going to be a serious situation. That's how it's going to feel like because – I think Giannis is going to be better because mm -hmm. now he sees that his bread and butter is it. You know what I'm saying? So he's going to stick to that a lot more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, his Drew and, and, and Chris, man, they're the one that I don't know if we're better attention if, you know what I'm saying, that's, that's how they, they still hoop. Drew obviously is going to defend, but it's more maybe Chris. You know what I'm saying? Like, how is he going to respond to covering – Uh, a James Harden and still trying to get buckets or yeah. covering a Kyrie and still trying to get buckets Yeah, because it's a little different when you gotta, you can defer to PJ Tucker and Drew and you just chilling. Now there's three headed monsters that y'all got to defend. You no, know what I'm saying? And still try to get buckets on the other end too. Yeah. But, but you also have to remember that they're getting Dante DiVincenzo back who was their starting shooting guard last year. So, They'll be a little better. I feel like one, they have that championship, that championship swagger, that, like you mentioned. But also, I feel like adding Dante back, who was pretty important for them this year, right. uh, yeah, only adds to what they're going to be able to do in in terms of the next year. And they're, I, I feel like they're going to be, you know, they're still going to be one of the top three teams in the East. Oh, they will be. That I'm not taking that away from them. It's just, I don't think they're the favorite. You know no, what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, it's not, yeah, no, yeah. It I, I, I think like, we uh, agree on that. Yeah. 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 No, they, they're forever going to be good as long as Yanis is there. Like, they're going to always be, like, one of the top teams because, you know, regular season, it's the way Yanis plays, hard for them not to be good. You know what I'm exactly. saying? He plays hard night in, night out, and that's what you need to win regular season games. Yep. But as you get in the playoff and there's a lot more scouting and things like that, now it's like that's when coaching and skill set and things like that kicks in a little more. And yep. that's why I'm betting on more on these teams that I feel like are a little more skilled. Um, 
you know, and Clay's coming back too with, with Golden States, you know what I'm saying? Curious to see what that's going to look like and what they add over there too. So there's so much thing going on, but I just, I love the fact that they won. I'm happy for them, but I just didn't like how KD took them to seven. And yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like literally two inches away from, you know, right. Yeah. You know I'm saying uh-huh. like, that's tough. You know what I mean? And so it's, it, it makes me feel like, man, I don't know, yo, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I and I agree with you. I, I feel like the Nets and the, the Nets healthy, and the Lakers healthy. Hopefully, they they can figure out their point guard position. Um, if they figure it out, then yeah, the Nets and the Lakers should be the favorites, and then the Bucks probably uh, at third. Um, do you think there's that was the best chance for the the Suns? Absolutely, absolutely, man. Because even and. Look, they, Booker is probably going to be at this stage later on in his career. But I'm not sure it's going to happen in the next four years. Nah. They, they need, like, significant, like, roster changes. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, Aiton is not it for now, to be honest. Well, um, Aiton, I think Aiton is fine. It's Aiton not having a backup that is a major issue. True. True. Because last um, year during the draft, we wanted them to, you know, to pick a big, but it was kind of hard to figure out if Jalen Smith was the right pick or if, you know, they could get somebody else, Precious maybe. Um, because we felt like, yes, they already have DeAndre, but they need somebody to back him up, you know? I, I, the thing is, I don't feel, in this day and age, I feel like you need, like, three stars or two stars and a half. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, and, need, they need another wing scorer. That's for and sure. that's what I'm saying. To me, Aiton is, is not that star. He's good, but he's not he's, that star. Especially if off the record, like we were talking about, D-Book, as far as like how we truly feel about him after this situation. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like He has – he's well, not the, there yet as far as like being that Mamba. You yeah, know what I'm exactly. saying? Like, He fell a little short. Be, because it, in order for them to keep that roster and be at the level that come back at this stage, D-Book would have to turn into the best player in the league. Exactly. And currently, he's not at that level yet. And, yeah. You know, he, he'll, he'll get better for sure. He's only 24. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Book is going to get better, but he absolutely is going to have to be a top three player if they keep that same roster and for them to get to that, to that same level. But if they can get another wing, that's sort of an all-star and they can keep uh, Aiden and we don't know what the situation is going to be with Chris Paul, but you know, if they can figure it out some, somehow some way to get a little bit more scoring punch, then they have a chance because right then they have a little more margin for error, you know, and Definitely. we always talk about, you know, having stars, that's what it gives you a lot more margin for error. Right. And just being able to elevate guys on the court, because as we saw in the finals and we saw throughout the playoffs, coaches are comfortable playing certain lineups when they have their stars, you know, yeah, yeah. Bud was comfortable having Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, Brooke Lopez on the court with Giannis. Yeah, but I'm not. But when he has Middleton 
and Drew on the court and no Giannis, he's not necessarily willing to put those guys in. You know, he's probably going to go with with Brooke still, PJ, more reliable guys. But when he has Giannis, he's like, well, you know what? I'm not going to be worried about getting buckets because I have this superstar that's going to generate something every single time. And right. then guys can work around him. And defensively, we can figure it out if we have discipline. Yeah. So that's what a great player does for you. So if they can find a way to have another star, then I think, I think that'll, be, that'll be a big, big thing for them. Definitely. But currently for them in the West, they'll still be top three, top four, especially with Kawhi out. And they're, I'll still put them ahead of the, uh, the Utah Jazz. Uh, but, you know, the Lakers healthy, Golden State healthy, Dallas with Luka even better, and especially Denver coming back healthy, that, yeah, I feel like those teams could probably have an edge on them. No, definitely, definitely. All right, well, we um, that's it for for this season. We can look ahead for... What comes next for the draft? So, have you looked into a little bit some of the prospects? Um, I, I mean, obviously, we we spoken about them a little bit. Uh, yeah. The top ones, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm a little you know familiar with them as far as like what they bring and also watching NCAA, uh, you know. Uh, final fours and stuff like that. Some of the guys in there watched a little bit of the G League Ignite guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was curious to see. I'm always curious to see what, what it looks like. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it, it's hard to debate on certain things that you get over if you don't, you know what I'm saying, look at it real quick. Uh, you just, you know, speaking out your ass, you know what I'm saying, versus actually watching and knowing what, it, what it's about. Yeah, no, I feel like it's really important to watch games. And you know, obviously, when you, you can watch all the highlights that you want, but if you don't watch those guys play 40-minute basketball games, sometimes right. is, you know. So we're, we're, we're just, we're, we're just going to go through, you know, the top five prospects, you know, our, each of our top five and to run, run them down and then talk about some of the sleepers that we have. Um, so, you know, at the top, we've had – We both have had, I think, since 2019, Cade at the top, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so what did you see this year, and what are some of your concerns with him for the next level? Definitely shooting ability. Um, shooting ability because he's not – he doesn't have, like, a ridiculous first step, right? So it, it makes it hard if you are, you're unable to shoot. In the league, man, you are not going to beat anybody off the dribble if, you know what I'm saying, you can't bring him close enough to you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He can handle the ball and, and everything, but it's like his one-on-one -on -one ability. It, that's what it comes down to uh, yeah. as far as, like, you know what I'm saying, like the lacks. Um, but I also – but I still absolutely love his potential just because, you know, ever since high school, I just love the fact that they'll post him up sometimes. You know what I'm saying? He'll play off the ball sometimes. So it's kind of like it's a matter of, you know, using him. You know what I'm saying? Like you could use him in different situations, and that's what I love about his potential. If he was just coming in as a straight, I'm here to play the point, I would have been like, I would have been a little iffy. 
You know what I'm saying? But the fact that he played multiple position and he's what six eight now, you know yeah. what I mean? It, it makes it, you know what I'm saying? Like he could play multiple position and, and I love that about his potential. Yeah, and, and and same for me. It's the fact we we, we often spoke about that he's kinda like a queen on a chessboard. You know, right. Just put him at different spots on the court. He has the skill set and the feel for the game to succeed at different positions, you know. And, All right. And that's a really, really big thing for him. Like the ceiling is not necessarily, you know, out of this world where you can tell that he's a real worker because the jump shot has improved every single year ever, ever since he's been in high school. And right. Now he, he was like a 43% three-point shooter in college. Um, which wasn't a strength of his before he got to Montverde. You know, he, he didn't really shoot the ball before. So right. the fact that the jump shot has improved that much, the fact that he can already post up shows you that, you know, those are some of the things that takes a lot of work, that takes a lot of time in the gym to, you know, really improve and master. Right. And so I feel like he's going to get better and better and better, but, You know, he's not one of those explosive athletes, like you said. The first step is not incredible, but the feel for the game and, you know, just the IQ and the understanding of, you know, time and possession and situation and really moments because right. he's one of those guys that's not afraid of the moment. Right. You know, we've seen the, the clutch shots that he's made throughout the year. And, no, I feel like he's the favorite. He's, he's by far the, the best guy in And one of the things, and I've always mentioned it, is I like seeing all those guys in this in a situation where they're together and the, the USA basketball is good for that, where you can see those guys compete at a high level in FIBA, but also be on the same team. And what's kind of the hierarchy between all those guys? And it was clear that Cade was by far the best player on that U19 team. Right. Where all those guys are going to be in the top five were on the team so yeah. to me it, it's a it's a no-brainer for him to be the top pick you know in, in the draft definitely unless he blows up the the, the workouts yeah well <laughs> he has one workout he was he has one visit to do you know he's only going right. to detroit so exactly. you know. <laughs> um number two prospect who do you have number two um Who's picking number two? That's Houston, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, regardless have, of who's picking, who who do you feel is the number two guy? I got, they got to go with Mobley. Yeah, you like Mobley better than Green? I like Mobley better than Green, yes. Um, because they have, what's his name, Porter Jr., who's, you know, uh, Porter Jr., right? Uh, uh, who's no, the uh, Christian Woods. No, um, no, I'm talking about because you said Green. And I'm saying the reason why I don't want him to pick Green is because they have Porter and Porter been hooping for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kevin he's, Porter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Kevin Porter. Yes, Kevin yeah. Porter. And he's been hooping for them. And I feel like, all right, it may not be the same potential, but if he's looking that good, you know what I'm saying, and you got him for the low, it's like keep riding that wave. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Go for a big that, in my eyes, developed the right way could be, you know what I'm saying, on some Anthony Davis stuff or even – You know what I'm saying? Like a, a lot more skilled um, Clint. You know what I'm saying? Like those paint protectors that can switch on guards. Like those are like, it's an essential, you know what I'm saying, skills. Like we talked about Yanis, one of the things that made him great is the fact that he was able to switch 
on Chris Paul, and Chris Paul didn't really have an advantage there. That's part of the reason that we loved Anthony Davis' last finals. Yeah. Sweat being on, you know what I'm saying, a dude like, uh, what's his name, Butler, where he's able to stay in front of him and contest that shot. And I think Mobley has that presence to dominate games like that. You know what I mean? And he, he could, he'll be able to step out. They play fast, so he could run up and down. Um, he fits well with uh, Chris Christian Woods. Uh, Woods steps out. You know, they both step out. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it, it could be a good look for them over there if, if they, they go for him. I agree a thousand percent with that. And, and I love the fact that you mentioned his fit with Christian Wood because, you know, we often talk about small ball. You know, it's really having skilled ball and having – interchangeable players to play back. Right. And having two bigs that can protect the rim and that can also kind of defend on the perimeter a little bit. Christian Woods has, has his struggles with that, but Mobley definitely can do it and do, does it really well and has really nice touch. Has like, right. Like he's, he's really a great shooter from the mid range. He has great passing his instincts. I feel like his potential is, yeah, through the roof. I feel like in terms of ceiling, he's probably my favorite guy in the draft. Yeah. It's just I've seen Kate perform at such a high level as, you know, before the professional level. And I feel like he's, he's, he already has sort of the pedigree, the physical ability, and the, the skill level to compete right away. Right. And I wouldn't pass up on that. And – Two years from now, I feel like, or three years from now, I feel like Cade can already be an all-star in the league. Whereas Mobley, it's probably going to be, you know, five, four, six, seven years down the line that you're going to be like, oh, this kid is really one of the best bigs in basketball. It's yeah. probably going to take a little bit longer, but his ceiling is is through the roof. It's yeah, really- no, definitely. And I think the reason why we like him too is like you said, is he's like basically a blank canvas, you know what I'm saying? Like, and there's so much that we can see happening. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. there's a change in his body, it could be crazy. His shots improved, it could be crazy. He puts the ball on the floor, but it could be crazy. It's just, this, it's limitless as far as like what could happen if, you know what I'm saying, he's in the gym and locked in and, and develops, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Exactly, and and the thing is, he he already is a really good shot blocker, and I feel like that's one of the skills, those skills that translates really well to the pros, right? Right. Where you have good instincts as a shot blocker and you know a rim protector, you, you don't really lose that. It's it's about having great instincts and really being smart defensively. So exactly, you know. He does that already. He has the size. He has the quickness. He has, you know, yeah. No, I, I, I like, I like what I see from him. Yeah, he, he's gonna be, he's gonna be special. Uh, number three. Number three. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Jalen Green on that one. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not gonna reach for your son. It's just they have uh, what's his name, Francis. Who Cleveland? Yeah, who, what's his name? Oh, oh damn, I forgot. Isaac Kokoro. Isaac, yes, yeah. Isaac. Uh, 
Yeah, and I feel like he kind of plays that role and you just drafted. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's so essentially it's like, the same player. but I didn't want to double it up, and that's yeah. part of the reason I didn't want to get John Kaminga over there. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Because I felt like they did that last year, so it's like, let's go for an explosive score. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's why I like Green in that situation. Especially having two wings that don't shoot the ball very well because I right. think he doesn't really shoot it. And having Kuminga or, you know, Scotty Barnes, your boy, that exactly. doesn't shoot necessarily well either, that would be, that'll probably be a problem, you know, right. in terms of how they fit offensively, you know. Right, right. Yeah. No, that's definitely true. And, and Jalen Green, man, you know, that's basically – Zach Levine. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Explosive, ready to go. Yeah. He's like, that's a guy, he's going to come in, he can get 20. And we saw him at the G League showcase. He was he was really special in terms of considering you're playing against guys, and that's the part where you have to take it into account how this guy is really ready because you're playing against guys that dominated college. Right. You know, that's what the G League is. It's mm-hmm. not it's just it's guys that dominated college that are not necessarily yet in the league, but they're pros. Yeah. You know, in college you can take advantage of certain guys that are not necessarily go- going to get to the G even. You know? But but time out though. Time out. Time out. Yeah. Time out. What's up? I feel like sometimes I feel like this past season, playing in a Big Twelve may have been a little harder than playing the G League. And the How? reason why I'm saying that is the ability to stay in the paint as a big man, as a seven-footer, and clog that thing up. If you're not skilled, you're going to struggle. You know what I'm saying? That's why I remember when we spoke about a guy like Jonathan Kaminga. In high school, I'm sorry, in college, I'm not sure if that damage is the same as in the G League. Now, this is the G League, more minutes, so a lot more possessions. Um... The defensive three in the key, that opens it up. The floor is a lot wide open. So it kind of allows you to do certain things without necessarily be max, like at your polished potential. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like if you're a good athlete, you can make it work in the G League. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Versus certain things, you're not getting by in a Big 12. You know what I'm saying? If you're not, you know what I'm saying? Like you going against Baylor the way Baylor was defending? I'm sorry, it ain't happening. You know what I'm saying? If you're not polished. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just play, like, the way you want. So, you, I think it's case by case, man. Like, yeah, he did well, but I'm – you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you put in a Big 12, it dom- dominates the same way. You know what I'm saying? Like, on certain guys. You know what I'm saying? I feel like you got to be skilled. You got to be able to read the game at a high speed and, and stuff like that. And that's why, like, sometimes, like, some of these uh, Power 5 conference, man, it's scary for some of these guys. You might as well just run in the G League and run around, and you're still going to finish with 15 points. No, and, and I can understand that, but the thing is, he scoring in some ways that you can say, well, you know what, that translates in college, even in the Power Five conference, because he shoots it from the perimeter, right. he has a really quick first step, right. and kind of has a pretty good mid-range game too, you know? True. He has a one-dribble pull-up going right, that's pretty solid. Right. So, I feel like with all those tools... You can't, you know, he would have done great in the Big 12. You know what? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like he, he has everything necessary for him. He has the size. He's 6'5". He has mm-hmm. great athleticism. 
and all those things where I feel like what he did in the G League was a lot more impressive considering the fact that he was going against good pros. I understand the spacing is different and everything else, but playing in a conference where you're going against guys that are usually not as athletic as you are and probably wouldn't be able to guard, you know, that, that, that type of first step, et cetera, I feel like – and don't necessarily have that grown man strength that he was facing in the, in the G League also. That, that is true. Um, my, my only thing with that is it's also a little different when you're playing for, you know what I'm saying, that team in the Big 12 and you're the, on top of the food chain as far as scouting report goes. And we got like – as soon as he touches the ball, we send him double team man. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Or as soon as he comes off the screen, we're going to blitz him because we know he's the only damage over there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So some of that stuff changes their performances in the Big 12 as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, shout-outs to him for what he did in the G League. But it's hard for me to rate it as more significant than performing in the Big 12 because of some of the attention and everything that comes with it. The dude may not be as good as you. He may not never play a game in the league, but he has pride that he's trying to shut you down. You know what I'm saying? And coach got pride too, where he's like, I'm not letting this one dude beat my whole team. You know what I'm saying? Every time he comes off that screen, we're going to blitz him. You know what I'm saying? Now it makes it a little complicated because now you're playing in a G League. Yeah, these guys are older, but you know what I'm saying? They, they don't have that defensive pride. That, you know what I'm saying? They're trying to get a contract. Man, man, they're older, man. They're old. Come on, man. They're, they're older, not, man. <laughs> come on. They're not old. But, like, guys, the guys that play in the G League nowadays are, you know, in their prime or closer. Like, those are 25, 26-year-olds. Definitely. definitely. In the league. But, but, uh, but another thing, too, though, but I, that I realized uh, is at the pro level, the game is easy on certain levels. You get what I'm saying? Like when you get a screen by a, a big man in the in the league, you're wide open. Yes. You get what I'm saying? So now it's a matter of you making it work. And I realized that because I, I was watching, I think it was like the the national team a few years back. And I think uh Quincy was there with them or whatever. And he yeah. had a screen by Kelly. Yeah. And he was like wide open. All he had to do was just <laughs> make the shot. Yeah. So I looked at it, and I'm like, damn, like, yes, the league is hard. But on certain aspects, it's so much easier if you could get there because once that big man sets that screen, the only job you have to do is knock down that shot. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? And, and that's what's a little, like I said, it's a little different. I guess you can see it both ways. Like, it's hard and easier at the same time, depending on, you know what I'm saying, how you, you view it. Yeah. It, it, it's hard because you're playing against better talent, but right. the, the, you know, playing in college and playing in a major conference in college is harder in the sense that it's, they're probably a little more prepared to come at you. And, you know, the defensive, the defense is obviously different in college, you know, and, right. and you get a lot more different things thrown at you and you have a guy in the key you can zone and you can do a bunch of things so right and you're playing with significantly significantly uh less talented guys also that shrinks the floor for you for you you know if you have five guys around you or four guys around you that can't make shots well they can just close down on you whereas when you're playing with pros everybody can hit a shot if you're in a pro you can make a shot 
So, you know, especially wide open. So, I mean, yeah, that, that is a big difference. Uh, but still, I think I think his scoring ability is really something that he's he's shown at different levels that he, you know he could do, and you know I, I have no doubt that he's going to be uh, pretty good in the league. Oh no, definitely he's going he's going to get buckets for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, at the four spot. At the four, that's uh, Toronto, right? Yeah, that's Toronto's pick. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Jalen Suggs. Okay. Okay. Not not Scotty. No, because I'm just trying to get you to explain. You know, you love Scotty so I much, love, man. You know, I love Scotty, and, and you're out I, there, you know, snubbing your boy. I'm not. I'm not. It, it's about I'm trying to put my boy in the best situation for him to shine. <laughs> you feel me? That's what I'm trying to do. That's why I, I don't want nobody drafting him if you're not gonna let my boy be him. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That that's why. You know what I'm saying? I feel like Toronto, Toronto doesn't need Scotty. Um, I think with the way actually they they could use Scotty. Uh yes, the way they, they could. play, Scotty could play the four, especially uh with, you know, with Pascal, you know, being out. I think he's gonna be able to, you know, facilitate and do a lot of the stuff. But the only problem is is his inability to shoot. And in that system, you know what I'm saying, you have to be able to shoot the ball a little bit. You know what I mean? That's why I'm going with Jalen because with um, with Kyle Lowry leaving, um, I think you know you're bringing a you know a bigger dude over there. You know what I'm saying? Who could kind of do the the one two punch with um with my man Freddie. Freddie, you know what I mean? And and I think that's that 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 would be a good look for him. Yeah, and and why I feel like because my picks for refs was either one of the Jalen's or either Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs just because I felt like one of the things that they were missing last year was some scoring punch. Right. So I felt like Jalen Green would definitely help them in that department. But now that we know that Green is probably going one, two, or three, then, you know, the Raptors have probably no shot at him. But Jalen Suggs could be a good replacement because he's played a lot off the ball at, you know, at Gonzaga. Right. And he can score from time to time. I think he needs a little bit more consistency on the jumper. But right. he's going to be able to find that guys that come in the Raptors organization get better. And, right. you know, they come in, they get better. Whatever their age is, whatever stage of their career they're at, they're going to get better. So he's going to get better with the rap staff. No doubt he's going to get a solid jump shot. And he comes in being one of the most, you know, pro-ready guys. You know, right. he's played in a pro system at Gonzaga. He's playing with guys that are talented. You know, he has great instincts. I feel sometimes he's a little erratic, but that can be, you know, that those are the sort of things that can be corrected with tape watching. Yeah. You know, so I feel like that's not really a major issue. He's got size, he's got strength, he defends at a high level. You know, he's competitive. I feel like he's a perfect fit for the Raptors, honestly. I, I wish he was a little more of a explosive score. Right. Because I feel like that's really something that the Raptors would need going forward. Right. But, you know, in terms of his fit with the organization, in terms of his fit, you know, in terms of the mentality, what the, the Raptors represent, man, he's like, he was born to be a Raptor. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. For sure. 
you know so yeah no Suggs Suggs to the Raps is, is perfect um the magic Orlando fifth spot Orlando yeah they could get my son you know what I mean <laughs> my son is a perfect fit over there you know what I mean Scotty Barnes but don't you feel like that that's a little bit um duplicating with John Isaac another guy that you really like um Yes and no, because John being borderline a seven-footer, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could, you could put him in different places when it comes to it. I feel like my son can play from one to, you know what I'm saying, virtually one to four, depending on, you know what I'm saying, our situation. Uh, and I think right now, even though, uh, what's his name? Uh, dang it, why well, I forgot his name. The, the, the rookie they brought in, the point guard. R.J. Hampton? Uh, cool no, entity. the other one. Cole, yeah. Cole is good, but Cole, Cole's trying to let the shots go. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And my son is trying to facilitate. Yeah. So it could even be a type of situation where you kind of treat my son like, you know, uh, Ben Simmons a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Where you got him, you know, making plays for the guys and, you know, he does it all. You know what I yeah. mean? He, he, he's not great at one thing, but he's really good at a lot of things. And that's what makes him valuable for that team. And You know, he fits into that, you know, that long, you know what I'm saying, interchangeable guys that, you know what I'm saying, you could put in multiple positions and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I was I was hesitant between him and, and John Kaminga. I, 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 I like John better for the next pick. For OKC? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm hesitant because I feel like, you know, the, the magic – I feel like the Magic Nid also needs some scoring. You know, and John is probably a better True. scorer than, you know, than Scotty. But the thing is, the Magic also need a facilitator. So, Right. Um, well, not necessarily because Markel is coming back next year. So he's going to be a facilitator. Oh, man, I forgot about Markel's being there. Dang. So Markel being a facilitator, they probably need, you know, some guy that – Yeah, if, if uh, yeah, if Michaels is there, then I, yeah, they might not need my son. That's that's tough because, because with OKC, you see, having Shea, that's and and Lou, that are kind of good scorers, then you can have your son sort of be a facilitator yeah. in that situation yeah. and play off yeah. those guys a little bit. Yeah, that that might be a better fit. You know, so uh, yeah, I feel like. Like, the, my fifth prospect, if it was just a big board, I'd probably put Scotty over John. Right. In terms of just who I feel like in the long run is going to be a better pro. Right. But, you know, in terms of fit, I, I think in Orlando, um, John fits better than, than Scotty. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're 100% right. Um, I, I forgot about Markels. That's why, you know what I'm saying? But as soon as you said Markels, I was like, yeah. He, you know what I'm saying, he make plays for them and he was playing really, really well until yeah, he got hurt, you yeah. know what I'm saying, and they were actually winning when he was playing. So, obviously, he's coming back and he's going right back into the situation that he was in. So, exactly. I'm with you on that. John, John's a good fit over there. Definitely. Um, who would you say is, is, is your sleeper pick? My sleeper pick? Yeah. Who's one of those guys that you saw in college this year that you're like, you know what, man? That that's that's a guy in the league that could succeed. 
Man, listen, if it ain't broken, we ain't going to fix it, all right? We're going right back to Oregon. You know what I mean? Chris Duarte. <laughs> Chris Duarte, man. Chris yeah. Duarte. I love what he was showing over there. And, yeah, he might be a sleeper, man. In the right situation, he's a sleeper. Definitely. Um, yeah. He, he does a little bit of everything. Um, you know, from a dude that was on the all-defensive team to, I think, you know, winning player of the year, or at least he was up for it. Um, you know, he, he – and the thing is, when you come into the game – and you can do more than one thing, it always makes you valuable. You know what yeah. I mean? And we said that about, about Peyton, about how hard he worked and how, you know what I'm saying, he's – as an older dude, he's always ready to come off the bench and do what he needs to do for the team to win. And I yeah. see Chris being that type of guy where, you know, being older, you know, he comes off the bench and, you know, do whatever is necessary for his team to win. No, that's facts. Definitely. I totally agree with you. Um uh, you know, on, on my side, and I've talked about it last year when I when I picked Isaiah Stewart as as my sleeper. I, I like those bigs those bigs with high pedigree, right? Right. So those those guys that have been in situations and were sort of highly touted and and have played good great basketball before uh, before the league. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Isaiah Jackson is one that I feel like can definitely have a role in the league. You know, he's a little a little bit skinny, but in terms of his athleticism at right. six ten, the energy that he brings, he's gonna have a role in the league. Right. You know, and he's been used to, you know, not necessarily dominating, but you know, being impactful player on winning teams. So I feel like that's a guy that is gonna be able to, you know, contribute a little bit in, in the NBA. But other than that, I feel one of the guys that, uh, as far as the, the guard's position, and I mentioned him when we talked about the March Madness, and right. we didn't get to see him because his team is the only team that got eliminated while not playing, Bones Island from VCU. Right. I was telling you about him. I said yep. a mix of Malik Monk and Jamal Crawford. Yep. Sprinkled in with some Emmanuel quickly in there. This guy's a bucket, man. This guy's a bucket. Yeah, I remember, I remember you were saying that. I remember you were definitely saying that. I was looking forward, you know what I'm saying, to see him out there. Yeah, and and he's, and ever since, you know what, he shot up the draft board. He wasn't on, on these draft boards before. Now, you know, he's projected to be a first-rounder because, you know, people saw him in those workouts. People got to see him up close. And you know what, he's – he may even be a lottery pick now. So, dang. Yeah, you know, he's, now he's in that mid mid first round, but you know, you never know what what's going to happen on draft night, baby. Somebody falls in love with him, but yeah, he he's slated to be, you know, in the mid first. So, Oh man. Yeah, that that's a guy, man. I'm I'm high on him. I feel like that's a guy that down the line we're going to look at this draft and it's like, "Oh, yeah, how did no, I didn't we see Bones Island. It's like, no, that, right. that guy can get you a bucket. Obviously, guys that are slated to be in the top ten, the you know, James Book Knight and all those guys, they're not really sleepers, but No, they're not. Bones, Bones is one of those guys, man. You no, know, people weren't talking about him earlier this year, but now eyes are kind of opening up. But I still feel like what we saw in these playoffs is you need to be able to have multiple guys on the court that can get you something going. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. You know? We're, we're boycotting all one-dimensional shooters. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all hurt Brooklyn. <laughs> so, you know what? This is one of those guys. He can make shots. He can get you off the dribble. And, you know, he can find guys and create for other people. Yeah, man. Bones Island. Definitely. All right, man. Is there anything else you wanted to get on? Man, nah, man, nah. I think we had a, you know, we got, we had a good talk. You know what I mean? For the for the finals and, you know, the, the, the breakdown of these guys coming in. I know we're probably going to be right about the top five guys unless one of these GMs goes bananas oh, and start, yeah, and start, <laughs> and start, you know, inventing the reels of success. Yeah. <laughs> But it's going to be a wild draft night, though. I'm expecting, like, transactions after transactions. Of course, absolutely. This is going to be something. It's going to be insane. But, hey, one thing for sure that's going to happen, we're going to get back to our streaks of our Canadians getting picked in the draft. Last year was a one-off. You know, right. From this year on to next year, for sure, we're having at least Caleb Houston in the lottery. This right. year, Josh Primo is probably going to get drafted. AJ Lawson has a chance. You know, right. our boy Eugene. Gene, yeah. Gene has a chance. You know, next year, you know, obviously a lot of guys – And then, you know, the year after, obviously, we saw in the EYBL, there's a lot of guys that, you know, have a chance. So, right. yeah, man, I feel like, you know, Canadian basketball is there, to, you know, to produce NBA players every single year, at least two or three. Yeah. We, hey, we, we're looking good, man. We're looking good. We're looking good, man. Shout out to the U19. You know, that's something that we didn't really talk about. But, you know, third place. And, yeah, I wanted, yo, I, I wanted to touch on that quickly. Mm -hmm. Did you watch the, the finals between France and USA? Uh, not much. A little bit. Not much. Big Vic is something, man. Definitely is. Yeah. Definitely. But that's, but that's why even like when you were saying uh, you picked the one, the, the, the big kid, and you're like, you know, he's skinny or whatever. And I'm like, that is a trend now, yo. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody wants that heavy, big that can't move anymore. Like if you heavy, big, you better be dropping like 40 a night like Shaq, you know what I'm exactly. saying? But, but if not, then that's what it is, you know, like skills, you know what I'm saying? Catch and finish, defend multiple position, mobile, you can run the floor, you're not slowing down our pace. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it is. So anytime you have something like that and that's highly skilled and defensively they get the job, it's a wrap, you know, like you, that's why we talk about even Mobley, you know what I'm yep. saying? Like, <laughs> that's why he's, you know, we, we felt like, even though he may not go number one, has the highest ceiling because so much you can do with that type of talent. So, yeah. Yeah, it's unlimited. The potential is unlimited. And, yeah, Chet and, and uh, Vic gave us an incredible show. It was really watching the future of basketball, basically, you know. Right, right. Those big seven foot one and seven foot four basically dribbling out from the perimeter, making shots, you know, from three, from mid-range, finishing at the That's basket, crazy. protecting the rim, switching on guards. Man, I was like, you know, if this is basketball or basketball is going, I'm all for it. Sign me up. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. I'm all for it. No, but it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch also to watch, you know, a pretty young Canadian team, you know, we, 
you know, the best guys on the team were, you know, Caleb and Ryan Ambar and also Ben Mathurin. Right. You know, so, yeah, you know, 18-year-olds and, and Ben is 19. But, you know, but it was fun to watch those guys go at it and really, you know, take it to the U.S. And they weren't intimidated at all. And, you know, right. competed well. So, nah, we have a chance. We have a chance. The future is bright for basketball overall and for Canada basketball also. Right. For sure. All right. On that note, take it easy. Yes, sir. All right. Peace. Peace.